welcome to the Garden Church Podcast. All right, quick disclaimer I want to share. Um, I really want to see lives change. I mean, at the end of the day, that's, I realize, like, at the end of the day, this is what I'm getting at, that I believe um, that Jesus lives and that if you begin to walk in a relationship with Jesus and learn to follow him as a disciple, your life will change. And I believe all of us were intended to flourish in this time, in this life. Um, and there are lots of reasons why we don't, but I believe if, if you learn to pattern your life, if you live in community, if you change false narratives with new narratives, if you f- are filled regularly with the Holy Spirit and partner with God in grace to restoration, you will become more fully alive. And I long for transformation of individuals, of marriages, of families, of systems. Um, but I know that it starts with individuals. Transformation starts with you. So we're talking today about change and how we change. And if you missed last week's sermon, you have to hear it because it's, a, it's kind of a, a vision for how transformation takes place. Um, and today, I, I, this, is, this is my disclaimer, that the nature of Scripture, the nature of the Scripture we're talking about today um, requires me to give you a disclaimer that some of this content is not suitable uh, for children. And so if you have kids in here, I just want to give you permission to leave, and I'll, I'll try to warn you when it comes, but it's PG-13 and rated R, so use discretion. Um, but that's because of the, the nature of the text. And so I want to be f- really real. I don't see a lot of kids today, but in second service, there's multiple ages. So, um, so I thought we'd pray, and then we'll jump in. Good? You here? I'm here. So, Father, would you be here? Thank you. Um, thank you for the space where we don't have to pretend or hide or sugarcoat anything. We want to be people of your word. And I want more of you, God. I want more of you in my life, for my family, um, with my community and friends. And I want more of you in this church. And I want this church to experience healing and transformation and restoration. I want bodies to be healed, emotions to be restored and healed, and um, I want relationships to be restored and healed and transformed. Um, I want the inner man and woman to come alive in the Spirit of God, Um, and I want our minds to be renewed and healed. So Lord, I pray that today through this word that you would uh, preach through me, um, and I just, I pray that you would strengthen my body to do this, um, in Jesus' name, amen preaching on why your body matters, and I, I'm sick, so there you go. Um, the irony, so please pray for me if you're at home and listening. Um, pray for my family. I just feel like I've wanted to ask you that as a church. We just pray for Alex and I. We carry things that are, I'm realizing are, we gotta move from just recognizing these are physical things, but they're emotional and spiritual things, and I'm realizing the need for um, a covering, and I love, for those of you that are intercessors and prayer people, and I know some of you are here, but would you just continue to remember my family and your prayers? Um, so today is your body matters, and I want to give you uh, some theology and then some, some practices, and I, I don't know how long this is going to take, um, but I'm, I might have to stop it, and then we'll go, we'll pick up next week. Um, but here's, here's the thing, most of my life, I've had this strange physical reality take place um, every year around Christmas time. Since I was a kid, up until maybe a few years ago, every year when Christmas break would come, I would get sick as a kid. Like, it, it, would, it didn't matter. Like, seven years old, eight years old, 12, 
um, 28 years old, like right when it was vacation is here, I would get sick almost every year at that moment. And it was strange because it would be like the flu or it would be like a stomach thing or it would just be um, a cold and I would sleep for days and I would just rest. And I found this rhythm in my life occurring. I could like count that I would get sick almost as like this way of resting. My physical body would get sick. Now you could say, okay, uh, you know, it's cold and flu season. Yes, it's cold and flu season. But uh, things started to get worse when I planted the garden. Um, I started church, and in my mind, the church was the highest priority. It was God's mission to the world. Um, And uh, I started, uh, so I thought preparing sermons and studying and counseling and pastoring and doing all the administrative work and discipling people and doing community groups and working was the most important thing. And I was looking back, and my wife and I, we started this church together. We would work combined 100 to 140 hours every single work in the season of church planning the first few years. Uh, each. We, I mean, we, we'd work 70 hours a week, and we would, I sacrificed surfing. I sacrificed playing basketball uh, and, and, and other hobbies because I thought that's what was required for the work that was the most important. Years later, into the church plant, I, I've shared this story, the compounded stress and the busyness and um, the, the uh, lack of rest and the unprocessed anxiety pushed me to work harder and longer and to cope. I became more angry. I became depressed, more depressed. I started getting more and more anxiety and having panic attacks. And I was sleeping very little. Or I would try to sleep a lot, but yet I was still fatigued and tired. I was coping with food and different beverages. And I was checking out on TV or Netflix and everything else. And I became physically sick where I had intestinal issues. I was like 25 pounds uh, I weighed 25 pounds less than I weigh now. And I was, I was just sick. And the doctors were looking for polyps and early signs of colon cancer. Um, but it all uh, had to do with stress. That my body, my physical body, was wearing um, this unhealth that had been expressed um, in my emotions and in my, my, my habits. And um, what I learned through this personal experience is that there is a direct connection between our mental, emotional, social, and spiritual capacities and our bodies. And that uh, you are a soul. So I want to remind you of this slide. Um, You are a soul. That you are made up of, would you go to the next slide, please? Thank you, of uh, physical, social, intellectual, emotional, and spiritual capacities. That this is who you are. And without one, um, you don't really function well as a human. And I realized as I was processing this this week, that uh, in the past, I had an unhealthy view of God, but also I think in many ways, like many of us today, um, we hold to the earliest heresy of Christianity, and that's Gnosticism. And Gnosticism is this idea that the spiritual world is what matters and the physical world doesn't matter, that you're just a body that happens to have a soul or a spirit. And so your body will waste away, and because it doesn't matter, what really matters is the, the knowledge of the things that the, that the divine reveals to you. So spiritual life is the most important. Physical life is not so important. And that's an overly simplified vision or version of Gnosticism. But I think in many ways, I realized that that's what I embodied as a pastor. This idea that there was the spiritual activity is the most important activity. So push harder, go faster, and don't worry about the body. Sacrifice it for the mission of God. How are we doing? Are we okay? This is personal experience. I'm just talking through. Thanks for being my cheap therapist today. Um, A human body 
that's not alive with the full dimensions of the soul is simply a corpse. That we, are, we aren't just spirits or souls that happen to have bodies, but we are a soul that's holistically integrated. Now, Genesis 2, if you have a Bible, go to Genesis chapter 2. It says this, when God creates Adam, this is what it describes. Genesis 2 verse 7, then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living being. So in the beginning, when everything was good, before sin enters into the world, when it's very good, physical matter is important, it is good, it is blessed by God. That we as humans are fully spiritual, we're at home in the spiritual realm and we're at home in the physical realm. That that's where we coexist perfectly with loving union with God. How's that? Now, so your body is just as important as your spirit in the beginning, Genesis 1 and 2. Uh, John chapter 1 says this. I'm just going to go through these fast because um, I just want to paint a picture of why the physical world matters. John 1 verse 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. Verse 14 says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. This is talking about Jesus. And it's John's kind of picture of, of, of Christ as the word of God. And it says the word became flesh. Um, Eugene Peterson says he put on skin and bones and moved into the neighborhood. That Jesus had a physical body. God took on a body. Okay, so the that should mean something to us. It's called the incarnation, that the physical world matters. Matter matters. You guys good? At the end of the Gospel of John, and we don't have time to go there right now, but John 20, Jesus is raised from the dead, and every single Gospel makes it so abundantly clear that Jesus is not a ghost. He's not an apparition. He's not some idea of this resurrection embodied in the minds of his followers. He is physically, bodily raised from the dead. So after the resurrection, Jesus has a physical body. When the, the second coming comes and when God restores all creation back to its original intent, um, we will have as followers of Jesus physical bodies five million years from now. 20 million years from now, we will have physical bodies. Physical bodies matter. The physical world matters. Are you with me? For some of us, this is news. And for some of us, we're confused because we thought, well, church is where you bring people to be saved from this earth so that they can float around like Casper and worship God in the heavenly realms, but the heavenly realms, the dream and desire of God is for the heavenly, heavenly realms to be married to earth once and for all. So breaking that poor theology, I just need to say the physical world matters and our bodies matter. So what do we do with our bodies? Go to 1 Corinthians. We're, gonna, we're just going to anchor in this text and then I'll get you practical stuff at the end. Physical bodies, our bodies matter. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and we're going to look at verse, um, let's look at verse 13 together. Uh, verse 13 says, you say food for the stomach and the stomach for food, and God will destroy them both. So Paul's writing this letter to Corinth, and he's gotten some letters from them, and he's responding to some of the, the issues that the church in Corinth is facing. And he's quoting them, that this is like a, a bumper sticker, a slogan 
um, that was used around in Corinth, that uh, food for the stomach, the stomach for food, and God will destroy them both. Essentially is your body needs food, so you gotta eat food. But now he's, he, people are using this in a particular context. And that context is so important because it's a type of context that we pull this moral, ethical view of the church that Paul's gonna argue. Now pay attention to what he says now. The body, however, is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. By his power, God raised the Lord from the dead and he will also raise us. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Present tense. Shall I then take the member of, members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never! Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is, the, is one with her in body? For it is said, the two will become one flesh. But whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. So, Paul is dealing with some serious issues in the first century. Could you agree with me on this particular text? He's not writing to culture. He's writing to the church, a local church, house church in particular, or maybe a couple of house churches in Corinth. Corinth was a very big, popular, wealthy community, um, and they had this little, uh, this very common practice, and they worship pagan gods. But one of the major issues that Paul addresses within the church, within the church, is temple prostitution. That the, the mindset, the narrative of Corinth was to connect with deities, the gods, the primary way in Corinth was to have sex, sexual intercourse with temple prostitutes. This is how you worship God. Okay, so this was the pagan worldview, the false narrative, if you will. And then you have a bunch of new Christians that come from this worldview, and now they're in the church worshiping Jesus, but they also have these cultural practices that they're bringing along with them. Are you guys with me? Now, can you, can you try to do this today? Ways that we bring along our cultural identities? our cultural narratives into the church. And what we want to do is address culture, but what we need to do is address the church. And this is what Paul's doing. He's addressing this practice. He's not talking to the world. He's talking to those that believe Jesus is Lord and raised from the dead. In view of that confession, there are some behaviors that's required. We don't require these behaviors before they believe. You belong before you believe, and you believe before you behave. And the rest of our life, we will struggle to behave. Can I get an amen? At least some of us agree on that. So Paul is writing, contextually, addressing this pagan, uh, pagan practice. But there's some important theological concepts we need to take out. First of all, your body was not designed for sin. Your body was not designed for sin. You think about that? You were never intended to sin. Genesis 1 and 2 is designed for perfection, harmony, shalom, peace. It wasn't designed for sickness. It, was, it has been corrupted by sin. Your body was not designed for sexual immorality or selfish purposes. Your body has a purpose. Your physical body has a why it exists. Your body was designed for the Lord and the Lord for your body. 
That's, that's really interesting. We're gonna come back to that in just a second. He'll tell us what that means. But just sit with me for a second. What's the purpose of your body? Have you ever asked that question? It's 10 o'clock. We had an extra hour. We should be thinking about such philosophical things. <laughs> okay. PG-13, this is your moment. Take your kids out if they're here. I'm going to go deep on this. There's a, a quick side note because he's talking about sex and sexuality and sexual intercourse. Sex, let me just say, was designed by God. It was designed in the imagination of our God. Thank you, Jesus. Sex is first a gift, and sex is powerful. Sex is designed by God for lots of reasons, pleasure being one of them, and it is so much fun. But it has been distorted, and something about sex brings a spiritual bond to two people. And this is what he, he references, and he quotes Genesis, that the two will become one flesh, that there is a uniting of souls that happens when there's sexual activity. It's not just sexual intercourse. Let me just say, it's connected to sexuality as a whole with someone else. So I'm talking about oral sex, petting, touching, and anything else your imagination can create that you want to say that does, that's not included in the sexual ethic. It is included in the sexual ethic of the New Testament and the Old. Are you with me? So I don't know why we get away with, as Christians, stepping into a world of sexuality without being governed by its intention, its rules. Anything that's powerful has rules that governs it. Like, for example, there's an exposed wire in your house that's charged. Do you just go and grab the electrical outlet with your bare hands? You are taught from a young age, this is not safe. But eventually, you might be trained to be an electrician and to know, I don't know what to do, to know what to do. At least I shut the power off. At the very least, I'm going to shut it off on the whole house and call the right person. Do you guys, there's, there's reasons why we have um, training to get into a vehicle and drive. You have to be a certain age. You have to be educated. You have to be, it has to be passed. There are laws and rules that govern the power of driving. And the same is with our sex and sexuality that there is intentionality, originality that God created for us. And sex has been designed by God and there are rules that govern the purpose and the gift of sex because sex is not just primal. It's not just a physical thing, which is what he's arguing against here. When he says food for the stomach and stomach for food, they're saying, well, you're sexual being, so you should just have sex. He's arguing against that. He's saying, no, this is so much more than a physical thing. It's a holistic soul thing that when you're united with somebody sexually, in some translation, it's like you're glued together. And in other places, it's like you're being ripped apart with every sexual encounter that you don't have covenantal marriage relationship. How you doing? I'm gonna take a quick drink of my tea. So sex is a powerful gift and it requires covenantal marriage relationship, a union of a man and a woman over a course of a lifetime that is the only context in scripture that empowers the true original intent of sexuality to be explored, experienced, and enjoyed. Anything outside of that is sexual immorality. The body is not meant for sexual immorality. Now, let's keep going. A significant challenge in our spiritual growth is that we find our bodies have been shor uh, shormed. It's a new word. 
ready for what I, what I was trying to say? Formed and shaped, shormed, <laughs> and bent towards sin and mistrust in God. Let me say it one more time. A significant challenge to our spiritual growth, becoming like Jesus, is that we find that our bodies, our physical bodies, have been formed and shaped and bent towards sin and mistrust in God. So example, and this is what, I'll get to the, the, a detailed example, but let me give you an example. If you're trying to eat healthy, right? Maybe you're going on a healthy diet, and, um, but you, you've spent your entire life and your lifetime with poor eating habits. So your go-to food and when, you're, uh, when you're hungry is a burrito at Chipotle. Let's just say that you have that app and it comes to your house regularly. <laughs> it will be a challenge. It will be unnatural to order a kale salad if you're trying to eat healthy and your life has been formed and shaped by burgers and fries and burritos. Are you with me? This is what I'm getting at, that our bodies have been shaped and organized and formed and molded and bent towards not obeying the way of God in our life. Following our sexual gratification, following our pleasures, our appetites, our temper, our anger, which is all rooted in your physical existence. Following your need to uh, have success so you burn out working and you don't find the rhythms that are in creation of rest and slow down spirituality. You don't know how to relax. I'm speaking for myself. And so it leads you towards doctor's appointments and at 27 getting colonoscopies. That's what happens when you don't take your body seriously. And so we have sinful patterns of thoughts and feelings embedded into our brain cells, our biochemistry, our bodily habits. Every time we think a thought or do a habit, there are neural pathways physically formed uh, in our bodies. And we will naturally think those thoughts or perform that habit, even if it's unintentional, without having to think about it. This is what's working against us becoming like Jesus. There's a physical disempowerment a deformation of Christ's likeness by the world in our bodies. So spiritual formation is learning to change these thoughts and habits. We want to train our physical bodies to do what Jesus would do without having to think about it. You guys with me? We want to train our physical bodies to do what Jesus would do without having to think about it. We want to be naturally soaking and sitting and walking in God's spirit and grace that our body's muscle memories would be that what Jesus would do in the moment if he were you. Habits are what got Peter into trouble when he denied Jesus. Dallas Willard had this quote from a, uh, an article I found online um, in a classroom setting that somebody published, and it says this, Peter wasn't paying attention to his body when he said, no, I won't deny you Jesus. But Jesus knew Peter would deny him. Peter tried to be faithful to Jesus and he cut the ear off of the soldier. Later, a little girl confronted him and then the denial just rolled off his tongue. I don't, I didn't know you. I never knew him. Peter wanted to do what was right but was prepared to do what was wrong. Your spirit is willing but your flesh is weak, Jesus said to him in Matthew chapter 26, verse 41. The problem wasn't his heart, it was willing. The problem was found in his body. It hadn't been trained in obedience. 
Gosh, da- Dallas. I just got to take that in. One second. Romans chapter 6 says this. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive in God, in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness. Wow, Darren, you're pulling out all the stops. But rather, offer yourselves as, uh, to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. Every, every member of your body as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law but under grace. So do not let sin reign, rule, have mastery over your body and follow the evil desires. Instead, your response is to become an instrument of righteousness. Instead, you are to see your body as a tool of righteousness. Instead, your body is designed to be an instrument of righteousness, which we go back to 1 Corinthians, and it says this, flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body because it's a soul coming together and ripping apart. Do you not know your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? Highlight that. Who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. So a couple more things, and we're going to land practically. First of all, you are a temple. Your body is a temple. This is crazy thinking and teaching. In the first century, to a Jewish audience, every single Jewish boy and girl would know the most significant, the most important place on earth was Jerusalem and the temple in Jerusalem. It was the sign of God's presence on earth. It was a symbol of God's dream and desire to dwell with humanity and creation. It was an image of heaven kissing earth, an image of heaven meeting earth. And Paul uses this symbol and says, your physical body is that thing. It is a sign to the world of God's presence, of God's dwelling, of heaven meeting earth. He says, so don't you know this is what you've become when the Holy Spirit dwells inside of you? Your physical bodies are now the house of the Lord? What do you do with your body? What are you doing with your body? Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. You are now many mobile temples. Everywhere you go, you bring the reality as a physical witness. There is a divine God who's been raised from the dead. His name is Jesus, and his presence is wherever you are. This is so significant, so stop wasting all of your time and your energy on sin, on sexual pleasure outside of marriage, on eating unhealthy because it's killing your physical body, on not resting, on not Sabbathing, on burning yourself out and going too fast, going too hard because you're trying to please people. You are a sacred resource. The world needs more living temples moving around in every domain of society. And as long as you're using your instrument of God's righteousness for sin, you will never be the example he longs for. Paul's saying, your body is now the place where heaven and earth meet. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Your body is the house of the Lord. uh, You live in communion with God. In other words, your body is the primary environment for spiritual life. Why do you have a body? To glorify God. 
The word is, uh, in 1 Corinthians, it says, therefore, honor God with your bodies. Honor God is the same, the word honor is connected to glorify. So what we are designed to do physically is to bring our bodies to a place where it just lives and operates in union with God to, for his glory. Now, I'm not saying to read scripture and stand in worship gatherings for the rest of your life. That is not what I mean by honoring God. That's spiritualizing this word but to flourish as the woman that you are, as the man that you are, in the sphere or the society, in the neighborhood, with the relationships that you have, to be fully alive and full of yourself is the greatest honor and glory that God could ever receive back. That you live without the trappings, without the imprisonment, without the habitual sins and the false narratives, but you live fully alive in Jesus. That is actually honoring God more than, let me just bring some of my money to church. I mean, I'm gonna put my hands up and worship. That's not what this is about. Every moment you breathe is an opportunity to point to the world, to God, through your body, through your life. Are you with me? Honor God with your body. What do we do? Romans 12 gives us an example. And I love, I'm, I'm fascinated by Paul's um, understanding of the body. He says in Romans 12, verse 1, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, look at what he says, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So then he goes on to, to do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. So Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice and be renewed in your mind. Next week, we'll talk about the power of the mind and how we change our thoughts. So the body is important. Your body, there's a place for your body in spiritual life. And we're gonna talk about the practical steps of how we steward our physical bodies as followers of Jesus. And I think you're gonna love the practices. The first one is to sleep. You guys should be serving on Sunday. Yes, some of you feel guilty. I haven't. And you should be sleeping more. You guys good? But Paul, so let me read one more quote and then we'll get to the practical. So your response with your body is to, to present it as a living sacrifice. So now this is what you do. So all of it, you don't earn your way to Jesus. It's all been done for you. But in response of all the grace that's been poured out in you, the only proper and fitting response is to just to present yourself, your body, your physical body, as a living sacrifice to God in worship. And then Dallas helps us again in Renovation of the Heart, which I highly recommend this book. This series is kind of based off of that book. This total yielding of every part of our body to God until the very tissues and muscles that make it up are inclined towards God and godliness and are vitalized in action by the powers of heaven, breaks all conformity with worldly life in, the, in this age, and transforms us into conformity with the age to come by completing the renewal of our minds, our powers of thought and imagination and judgment deeply rooted in our bodies. You could just reflect on that for the next six hours. All to say in this sermon, your body matters, and what you do with your body matters and caring for your physical health is a spiritual practice and we need to get better at caring for our physical selves are you with me so here's some ways i'm going to give you some real practical stuff to steward or pursue physical wholeness number one 
I want to invite you to release your body to the Lord. And this is the Romans 12 in practice. What I think all of us should do, and you should write this down, but if you don't want to write this down, you can just download the app. All of this is on the app right now. If you go to the app, you'll have all of the slides and quotes from Dallas Willard. Release your body to the Lord. Romans 12, you must recognize the importance of your body and its role in serving and honoring the Lord. So read scripture and meditate and offer your physical body parts to the Lord. This is a very practical thing. Somebody taught me this a few years ago. Consecrate yourself before the Lord. Make yourself holy. Rededicate your body to the Lord. Go through each body part. It sounds silly, but anyone here struggle with sex outside of marriage? Anyone struggle with pornography or lust? Anyone struggle with bitterness and anger or temper or impatience? Anyone struggle with judgment? That's not just found in your mind. It's found in your body. All these things have to do. Anyone dealing with um, uh, anxiety that manifests itself physically? I want to just give you a spiritual practice of offering your body to God for the purposes of his joy, enjoyment and, his, um, and his, in serving him on mission to glorify him. So go through your body parts, your head, shoulders, knees, and toes, and everything in between. And literally say, I give my feet to the Lord. Wherever my feet carry me, I'm going to give it to the Lord. I'm going to give my, uh, my organs to the Lord, my stomach. I won't, this is a big one. I won't be driven by my appetites of pleasure. But I will, I will choose to honor God with my stomach. How you doing? Accept your body as it is and no longer idolize your body. This is a big one for our culture. Your life and your body is given to the Lord for his purposes. So sickness, aging, death, no longer take fear or root itself in our, in our concern. So we have to learn to accept the reality of our physical bodies, its size, its uniqueness, its shape. We learn to love it as, we learn to love our bodies as it is and not as it should be. And in our culture, that's nearly impossible because we walk around going, I'm not enough. This needs to be bigger. This needs to be smaller. This, I wish I had lost 10 pounds. Or whatever. It's literally constant dissatisfaction. And I think a massive spiritual maturity for all of us would be to accept reality and embrace it and love and honor our physical life. How, if, we, if we walk with a limp because we've aged or if we're, we're not, I love, I, I listened to this interview uh, on Krista Pickett with Jean, Van, um, Jean Vanier and uh, he was in his 90s. And Jean Vanier was a spiritual mentor for Henry Nouwen and started Larch, um, these group, that's, uh, group homes that are in like 130 countries in the world um, that are living communities for uh, adults that have mental disabilities. And I love what he said. He was asked about his age, and he said, I've learned to love reality um, as it is. And he said, and what he said was, I need more naps now as a 90-something-year-old. And I've learned to just take it easy and take naps. And I, I, that struck me so, because for most of us, or I'll just speak for myself, I don't accept it as reality. I'm in my mid-30s and I'm not as fit as I was. Or I'm not, I'm not my body is being impacted by burritos or whatever it is. <laughs> I'm learning to accept it. And I think that's for so many of us, that's a spiritual practice of accepting. Three is to choose to no longer misuse your body. You do not first use your body for self-gratification or sensual desires, but you submit your body as a tool to the Lord. So you practice moderation. You become aware of addiction and the ways that you manage your unhealthy emotions and stress. You gotta choose. 
Lastly, I want to give you steps to steward your physical health. Now, I'm going to call these spiritual disciplines on purpose. Last week I said, let's get away with spiritual. Let's just call them dis disciplines or practices. I want to call these things spiritual disciplines because I think it's important to recognize that these things are actually just as spiritual as reading scripture or interceding for other people. Does that make sense? So there's a long list up here. Um, and it's this. So number one, I want you, it's what's the first thing you should all start doing to care for your bodies? You should sleep at least seven to nine hours. And for those of you that have little kids, that's not going to be reality. Um, but just know that you will get some more sleep in the future and just accept tiredness as a common thing and that you'll be more tired. But the rest of us, we should do what we can to sleep. And this is so spiritual. Your body is designed to rest. Um, and that in Hebrew, the way the day begins, it begins in Genesis with evening. Um, so it begins with you going to sleep and God taking care of everything and you waking up to him being active. So you wake up with him already stewarding creation and you get to come alongside him. So number one is sleep. Number two is start eating healthy food. This is probably the most contested thing I feel like I need to say. And I've talked about sex. I've talked about so all these other things. There is no neutral food. It's either going to make you sick or healthy. And I think we need to pay attention to our diets. I'm not saying diet, like losing weight, but what you eat, what you're putting into your body. Not because it makes you holy or less holy, but because your body is designed to function well by what you consume and consume healthy foods. And I, I think the Lord has been speaking to so many of us about this being an issue in our life that the way you're coping with stress or that broken relationship is from unhealthy eating. And, and we know what it's like. Like, you know when you're having a hard day and you go through that drive-through to get the thing you know you don't, you're not supposed to eat. I actually told some friends, because there are Mondays in particular, Monday comes after Sunday, where I feel really low and I have meetings all day and sometimes I'm like, hey, let's go to Wingstop. How many of you know what Wingstop does to you. It feels so good in the moment. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? And I told, I told Pastor John, I was like, hey, I can never eat at Wingstop again with you on a Monday. He's like, I'll hold you accountable. <clears throat> Food does something to us, and we need to pay attention to those things. Uh, exercise regularly. Gosh, Darren, really? Yes, sleep, eat, Exercise. Our bodies need to be active. We need to go on walks. Some of us have physical ailments that disable the things that we want to do. And we need to embrace the limitations that we have, which we'll talk about, um, and know that not all of our bodies are operating in its prime. Um, and not all of us are able to do these things well. Some of us have sleep conditions that disempower our sleep. Some of, and I know lots of people struggle with that. Um, some of us uh, don't have the money to eat healthy. Fast food fills our families. Um, and we don't have enough money for healthy food, or we've never been trained on that stuff. Um, and some of us can't physically exercise, but for those of us that can, I want to invite you into these things. Number four is to Sabbath and learn the natural rhythms of rest every week. We've talked about Sabbath before. Number five is to embrace your limitations. All of us have limitations physically in our bodies, uh, emotionally, mentally, spiritually. We need to embrace them and not see them as walls to break down, but actually learn to embrace the limitations that we have. Maybe five years ago, you could have all of those meetings and you could run the pace that you ran, but now you can't. Stop trying to get back to the five-year-old self and embrace the 35-year-old self, if anyone here is 35. 
or 45-year-old self, or 55-year-old self, or 83-year-old self. We have to learn to embrace the limits. And this is true for stage of life. So if you're starting school, there are limitations that are brought to you you should put on yourself. If you start a new business, there's limitations to that. If, you're in, if you get married and you weren't married, there's a new limitation. Or if you get out of marriage, there's now a different limitation. Or if you have one kid, there's a limitation. For every kid that you have, there's a new limitation. And so we need to in, learn to embrace limitations in our culture. We don't do that. But this will prevent burnout. Um, uh, practice moderation. Worship God physically with your body. I love other cultures. I love other denominations. I love other places that I've gone to worship um, where it is dancing. Um, I love that because I think there's something beautiful about dancing before God. This is what I'm training my kids to do in the mornings. We dance. And it's not pretty when I dance. It's really amazing when they dance. But, but we should, we're designed, our bodies are designed to worship. It's more than just singing. If we, if we need to get your hands in the air, that, that will do something physically to you. You're telling your soul, what people think of me doesn't matter. What you are matters. Kneel. If pride's an issue, which so many of us struggle with pride, every time you worship God, get on your knees. Physically tell your body, I'm done with this pride. Let's go. But instead, bless the Lord, oh my soul. <laughs> bless the Lord. And then your mind, in your mind, closed on Sunday. <laughs> my right? Where are you? I'm watching you, don't worry. Disciplines of abstinence, some of you should practice, uh, you know, throw into your rhythms of following Jesus um, fasting, eliminate caffeine or alcohol for a season, do the Daniel diet. Also, you should, as a spiritual discipline, uh, enjoy the gift of pleasure. Um, taste, touch, sight, sound, smells. These are all things that we are called to enjoy as the body. So I want to invite you to recognize that your body matters. You're called to steward your body. Honor God with your body. Glorify God with your body. Take care of your body because um, that's the only vehicle you have to steward the rest of the stuff. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit garden.church.